Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. Thank you, Dick Warren, and thank you, dear listener, for being with us for another edition of The Coaching Show. Each and every week, bringing you people out on the cutting edge, people you need to know about, or people who are just darn interesting in the field of coaching, or life coaching, or coaching adjacent fields. My name is Christopher McAuliffe. Alex, do you think maybe I should switch to decaf? I seem to be going a little too fast. I mean, you use that as an insult to me. You know, whenever I'm talking about anything, you're like, I think this guy needs to switch to decaf. So now, you know, now at least we're on the same page. <laughs> Thanks. That would be the voice of Alex Terranova, professional certified coach. Alex is uh, the founder of The Dream Mason. You can go to thedreammason.com to find out more about him. The Dream Mason podcast. And you're back with your other, other podcast. You're cheating on me many times with other podcasts with the frequency shifters. I saw you just started a new season. Look at you. I just put that up today. Wow. I know. Yeah, that, I know. The, the frequency shifter show uh, season two just started. So very different than this show, right? That's all. This is, you know, more grounded, more, um, I want to say more, maybe like everyday businessy, coachy, practical. Oh, how dare that you? Is, that is, yeah. Right? I mean, we can go there. We, do you want to bring witches on this show and people that are investigating the mysteries of ancient Egypt? That is like woo-woo and modern marvels and no, energy that's... and Reiki and all those kind of fun things. Uh, yeah, season two launched today and we're actually recording season three, mm. which is which is pretty exciting that we're already on top of season three. So actually, I'm, I, I do love that you're doing that because, you know, there's so much, like we all know, we've all, I believe, had some sort of a mystical experience, right? Some, something where we knew something we shouldn't have known or, the, you know, somebody called and we knew who it was before we answered kind of thing. I mean, not because we saw caller ID back in the before times. But um, there was some, there's some thing out there. And so I appreciate so much that you're doing that. That's the Frequency Shifters show, and that's available wherever fine podcasts are available, including right here on yep, every, Accomplishment yep, Media. Everywhere. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Accomplishment media, Spotify, Apple, and it's going to be on actually a video version on YouTube really soon. Nice. Um, You're like, video. what's video moving pictures. <laughs> that would be Alex talkies? making fun of Are they talkies? Uh, <laughs> my mastery, which comes with a certain color hair. Uh, anything else we should talk about here in uh, mid July of 2022. Um, I noticed that for me, it feels like a fake summer. Are you having a real summer? Are you going out? Are you doing things? The thing I love about Southern California is I feel I relate to the whole year as summer. So it's a little different, right? It's a little colder. But to me, you know, we can go out all year around in flip-flops and t-shirts. So I don't, I don't think of it like that. But, I, you know, it's... I guess I don't have an answer because I live my whole life almost like it's a little, it's summer. Yeah, I'm sorry. I thought that was going to be more interesting. Let's move on. Sorry. Right. Sorry. I do want to share with people, listeners of this show, because I think you and I have talked about this and you've been really supportive. Um, this week, I launched a men's retreat also. Um, I think you, you and I have talked about this. So if there's men well, out we there, knew, we knew it wouldn't be a Mensa retreat. I'm kidding. Men's retreat. What are, what are these men doing? 
uh, you know, it's nudity, you know, us hanging out in a circle, sharing our feet. No, no nudity. Um, it sounds like a weekend. I think I, sh- I, sh- I shared with you, you know, I have this uh, belief that often men's work is telling men they shouldn't be like this and they should be like this. And this is the right way to be a man. And this is the way to be masculine. And I think that's just moving men from one box to another or women for that matter in feminine and feminine work. And I really strongly believe that we should be empowering men to create who they want to be and how they want to show up in the world and how they view their masculinity based on the life you know, in the family and the business that they have. So uh, me and Bob Conlon, who, you know, have created a men's retreat, which is launching in October. And we just started, opened it up this week. So you're like the fifth person that knows about this. Thank you for telling me about that. I still don't know what men would get from attending. Deeper sense of intimacy, connection, um, understanding of where they, their, their sense of masculine came from their sense of who taught them how to be a man where, you know, I learned how to be a man from watching Saved by the Bell and Godfather movies. I don't think that's been helpful in, in my development in my life. Um, so we get to unpack that and then really look at like, hey, what's the what's the man they want to be? What's the father they want to be? What's the business? And then create that. So they're going to walk away with a sense of authenticity around their masculinity, around their manhood, and be able to bring that into their, their world, their family, their relationships. Very good. Okay. Uh, I also launched a new program, a two-day, one-month transformational program called Power Up. Check it out at accomplishmentcoaching.com. Thank you for sharing your thing, and thank you, dear listener, for listening to our things. Should we bring in our our guest? I'm very excited to talk to this energizer bunny of a human. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk to her. The, uh, the delightful Nancy Picard is a certified master integrative life coach with a bunch of coaching certifications. She specializes in shadow work, boundaries, and reinvention. Author of the international best-selling book, Bigger, Better, Braver. I'll try and say that three times real fast. Bigger, Better, Braver. Conquer your fears, embrace your courage, and transform your life. She offers online Zoom coaching courses and digital courses, as well as coach uh, joining us from her palatial mansion in Aspen, Colorado, I believe. Is that true? Yes, but it's not a mansion. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome. Welcome, Thank Nancy. You. Thanks so much for being here. So first thing is, um, I, I get nervous whenever I hear the term shadow work. Can we start there? What is shadow work and why, why would we hang out there? Why not just live sure. in life? And I'm so curious what makes you nervous about it. So shadow work. They raised that I don't watch scary movies. Oh, no. So I don't watch scary movies either. But so shadow work is about the disempowering beliefs that are hidden in our subconscious. That's why they're in the shadows. They're not in our conscious awareness. And they were formed in the first 10 years of our life. And they, we don't know we have them, but they rule our operating system. And not only do we have shadow beliefs, but we have underlying commitments that keep those beliefs alive. So I can give you a great example from my own life. I was, um, when I was five years old, I was actually four, I turned five the next day, I was playing with a lighter and I put myself on fire. And I was in the hospital for a week, I, my whole body was burned, but I didn't have any scars because they were first and second degree burns. I got out of the hospital, I don't know, may, I, I can't remember, somebody recently asked me, maybe I was home for another week or so, I don't know, but 
I never really paid any attention to it because I didn't even get in trouble because they were so happy I was alive. Fast forward, maybe 45 years, I was in a car accident. And again, I wasn't badly hurt, but I was very shaken up. I ended up with PTSD. I was working with a shadow coach at the time myself because I was doing healing your heart work, which is one of my certifications. I had just gotten broken up with from uh, my second huge breakup of my life. And um, so we did this work and she said, there's something about the accident. There's something in your subconscious. Let's do it, do a process around it. And what turned out was that this little girl was inside me because we all have these wounded children inside of us who wanted me to know I wasn't safe alone. So she had gotten triggered again by like this other near death experience. And that made so much sense to me because I was a serial long-term relationship person, married 26 years, in a relationship since I was 13, never without a man. And that's because this little girl didn't feel safe. I didn't know it. The adult conscious mind didn't know why I had those feelings. And so the underlying commitment that I made to myself was to never be alone. So therefore, I was a people pleaser. uh, And I was, you know, I would twist myself up in a pretzel to be digestible to everyone else. And I always was like the best girlfriend and the best partner. And like lightning, when I uncovered that belief, it was over. My PTSD was over. My neediness that I had to be in a relationship. I was able to travel alone and go to dinner alone and do all these things that I had never been comfortable doing. Because when you bring the shadow beliefs out into the conscious mind, they lose a lot of their power because your adult self can say, oh, wait a minute. You know, I am worthy. Um, I don't have to be perfect to be loved. I don't have to be um, in control of everything to be safe. My voice does matter. My needs do matter. All these beliefs that we have from our childhood, they're meant to keep us safe. And they do until they don't. And then they keep us small. Mm. Do you have any feeling on that sometimes our shadows uh can really be when when we really empower them, we can like lean into them. Do you always feel like it's it's like the way you just described it sounded more like it's something that are always disempowering? Do you ever feel like our shadows can actually be empowering if we're not, you know, resisting them or, or using them kind of against us? Well, I can answer, I think I can answer that question in a different way. A lot of times our disempowering beliefs we hide that belief. We don't want people to know that belief. And so we become the opposite. So if you have the belief, I'm stupid, and I don't want anyone to know, you can be this perpetual, you know, I'm getting a master's in this, and I'm getting a degree in this, and you're going to show the world how amazing and smart you are. But that doesn't mean that deep inside, your inner child still thinks they're stupid and that it's a mask they wear, that they're so amazing. So uh, I don't know if that answers your question. I think you can use those beliefs, but I still believe they're disempowering and you may change the way you live so that nobody knows you have them. 
but you still, you know, I mean, I think like the Bill Cosby's in the world and all of the people that you think, wow, they were on top of the world. How did they fail? I think it's because deep down, they think they're not worthy. And eventually they have to, they implode or they explode so that the world sees what they've been hiding all along. Yeah, I think that's that's a great explanation. I I, I ask because I've been playing, I've been reading, and and I don't know if you have any familiarity with um, I forget who the author is, but Existential Kink, mm-hmm. and oh, it's and what it basically, it just, I'm not the expert on it, but it, it kind of talks about those things in our shadow side that we resist if we actually like lean in. Often resisting them has them impact us more than if we lean into them. They like lose their power and there so like my I think of my shadow as a very like it's a 17 year old 16 year old boy who wants to rebel and push against everything and that when I often when I put you know I'm like I make it wrong or resist it it shows up more powerfully Mm -hmm. so it's, it's just I think I think that it's just different layers of shadow work is what so I was just curious um how do people if people are hearing this for the first time where do you start with playing with, where do you, how do you start playing with your shadow? Right. You know, it's an interesting question because the best way to do it is to hire a shadow coach. And because what we do is we help you see, you know, where are you stuck? Where, where is life not turning out the way you want it? And then what's the negative self-talk? And then bring, what are the feelings that you have with that negative self-talk and then when else in your life have you felt that way and then can you go all the way back in time to you were a child did something happen when those feelings first emerged can you remember that so it's sort of like a you know deconstructing backwards to figure it out in terms of like underlying commitments you can actually say to yourself i say i want x but what i'm experiencing is y so I say I want to be in a loving relationship, but what I'm experiencing is always finding what's wrong with the other person and leaving before they leave me. Or I say I want to lose 20 pounds, but what I'm experiencing is two drinks a night and dessert and then dessert. You know, so when you you always get the thing you're most committed to always. So we just don't usually know what that first commitment is because it's buried. So. I might have thought, gee, I love that. And I did actually. I think women who travel alone are so brave and so powerful. And, you know, God, I wish I could do that. Well, I couldn't do that because I still had that belief that I will never be alone. I should never be alone. And my commitment to never be alone was in total um, opposite opposition of what I said I wanted. So that's really... Um, that's a, one way to do it. Or the story I tell myself is, but the truth is. So the story I tell myself is I want to be in a full-time relationship, but the truth is I'd rather protect my heart. So they can start playing with those kinds of conversations if they're really um, good at inner work and can figure that out. Uh, I mean, in my book, I, I actually give them these internal processes for shadow beliefs and for underlying commitments so that they could actually try to do it on their own because not everybody can afford a coach. And so that those are great tools that may help them, but um, obviously just like anything else, working with somebody 
makes it so much easier. Seems like a good time to let people know about your uh, uh, how to find you on the web. What what are the best ways to find you and reach out to you for people who may want to work with you as their shadow coach or may want to do more investigating into the shadow work? So thank you. Nancy Picard lifecoach.com is my website and very simple and um, everything is on there. My book, a, um, a free discovery call to actually see if working with me would be viable for somebody else. Lots of freebies, free chapter of my book so that you could see even if that is something that resonates with you. My courses, links to sign up for you know group coaching next time it's offered, all those kinds of things are all in one place. I, I don't know if you know this, but there's another kind of famous Picard out there. So let's make sure we spell it for people. Nancy is N-A-N-C-Y. Picard is P-I-C-K-A-R-D. Life, L-I-F-E, and coach, C-O-A-C-H. Nancy Picard, lifecoach.com. Um, let's talk about fear. I noticed that the subtitle of your book isn't get more courage or go uh, find courage or dig up some courage, but it's embrace courage. What's your, what, what's your framework for fear and courage? I think we all have fear, every single one of us. And some of us have learned to use our fear as a driving force for change. Others are waiting to be in a fearless state and they think that other people are braver than they are or more courageous than they are. And the reality is you have to harness your fear. It's not going to go away. So you can have compassion for it. You can try to figure out why you have it, but you have to move forward anyway. And so for me personally, I have the mantra, bigger, better, braver, and anything I'm afraid to do, I feel like I must do it because I know that the growth is on the other side. So I've been asked to build courses. One of them is hopefully coming out really soon on LinkedIn Learning. And when they when I was first offered to do this, I was like, oh God, they think I'm better than I am, or they think I'm bigger than I am, or da-da-da-da-da. And I thought, well, wait a minute. Once I step in and I make this course for them, I am that. I, I don't have, you know, I don't have to worry about it anymore. So Everything I, I am afraid to do, I mean, I'm not talking about like walking down the dark alley. I'm talking about everything for my life and growth. And, you know, I went and climbed Mount Kilimanjaro at 61 years old and I flew alone and I was in a group of people I didn't know. And, you know, I stayed outside for eight nights in a tent, which believe me, is not my normal, you know, that was the hardest part of all. Um, the, the training was the was fun and the climbing was fun, but, you know, there was a lot of aspects of that being that I used to believe I wasn't safe alone. That was a great jumping for me to do all of that. So I have harnessed my fear and it's just the way I now live my life. And I think because I, I don't know when you write a book about something, the universe throws it in your face. Oh, you think you're bigger, better, braver, or, oh, you think you're an in integrity, like all those, you know, whatever your title of your book is, I think the universe really makes you live it and over and over and over again. So um, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I was, uh, my sons had, had those bikes. Have you seen those bikes that stand up? They're elliptical, but they're outside. They're really big and you're standing up straight and, 
Yes, I make fun of people in those. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're actually fun. But so the first time he took me out on one on his gravel driveway, no less. I couldn't get myself and I'm a huge biker, but I couldn't get myself to get that second foot up and start going. And he yelled at me, he said, what are you doing? You wrote a book called Bigger, Better, Braver. Get on the bike. And I looked at him and I said, well, you know what? When you were three, I would go behind you until you got good. And then I'd let go. So get off your bike, get behind me on my bike and help me. But, you know, I did it. So. That's awesome. I, I, I totally, uh, two, two, two of us here have written books. So I think two of us understand, you know, what you're saying. Um, <laughs> it's true, right? um you, I'm sorry, what'd you say? It's so true. It's so true that, that my, I mean, my, it, it's almost like you, I don't think it's just about writing books. I think what you're speaking to, right. Well, anytime we commit to something or declare something and we step into it, it's like the universe opens up and is like, okay, let's see, right? Yeah. If we say we're going to be braver, we say we're going to be more fun or more free, or we're going to, you know, be more adventurous in dating, all of a sudden, all these opportunities or challenges. I notice. I know you mentor um, a lot of coaches and I notice that uh, often coaches, when they say I'm raising my rates, well, the next people that come in are the, at the old rates right. and they'll take them at the old rates which really is sending a message of, I don't charge the new rates, right? Out of fear, they take the old rates. And I, and I hear so much of, of what you're saying in whatever you see as the next thing or whatever you think you've mastered, if you really look around, there's probably something there for you mm -hmm. um, as, as the world in a way is, is our mirror. Um, I wanna ask you though about the climbing of Kilimanjaro at 61, because that's not probably something we hear every day Christopher would be, you know, after five minutes of walking up that mountain would be out of breath. And I'd be out of breath if I flew up that mountain in a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> on the flight to Kilimanjaro, Christopher would go, I've had enough. Um, what was, what did you learn most about, you know, yourself in that experience and that journey? Well, I used to own a personal training gym. So athleticism. So you're cheating. So you're ready. Yeah. You were ready for this. <laughs> athleticism is a huge part of my ego, right? How, you know, a marathon or a triathlete, a century rider. I really, um, I really saw myself as an athlete. And so when I was turning 60, I thought, oh God, what an ugly number, you know? And I thought I need to do something to show myself that I still have it. And also I had been married for 26 years. And when my husband no longer wanted to be married, it really knocked me to the floor and it took away my self-confidence. And I was very other referenced. So, you know, I saw myself through the eyes of him and, you know, I, I saw my worthiness only through him. So when he no longer wanted me, I, I was no longer special. I was now unworthy. Mm -hmm. And so it was still part of the evolution of my really owning that I was whole alone and I didn't need to be half of a whole, you know, I was, I used to believe I was so good at what I did because I was half of a whole. Well, I finally realized I was whole all by myself. And so doing something like that just really was like the cherry on top of owning 
me and how powerful a woman I was and how I could do anything and I could do hard things. And that if, you know, if I was 100% responsible for every choice I made, that was good news because I knew I could count on me. And that hike really proved that to me. I love that it's all, it's, it's a mental thing, right? Not a physical thing. It's a physical yeah. challenge, but everything you just described is mental. I recently uh, started boxing with a, with a former professional fighter mm-hmm. and he's very, your feet, your hips, your hands, your breath all have to be like, it's very technical. It's not just like, Hey, let's work you out. And, and, you, and I'm going to leave you at the end. It's like, if I don't do it right, he goes, do it again. And we have to do things as many times. Until I, and I notice he'll say, are you okay? Physically, I think of myself like you as an athlete, like I'm physically fine. I get through the whole thing and I'm, I could do more, but mentally I'm in this like battle with myself where I'm going, I can't do this. This is too hard. I'm not coordinated like this. I should quit. And I hear that same, that often the physical challenge is more in the, the, the physical challenge is more in the mental. Mm-hmm. Do you see that? Also with, I'm, I'm curious, I want to see how that connects with you mentor coaches. Mm-hmm. Does that show up in the, in the growth or evolution of coaching and building a business or trying to get their PCC or MCC? Do you see those same kinds of things? I think that um, a lot of people think that they have to be 100% like whole and no issues in their life and all of that stuff before they can coach. So that's one area. And then another area is that um, in terms of you were talking about before asking for what you need to charge, want to charge, you know, self-worth and net worth go, go hand in hand, because if you don't feel worthy, then you don't feel worthy to ask for what you you deserve or to charge what you want. And it's very uh, involved with, with coaching. It's really, I, I see that with everybody. So my advice is that it's not that you have to be totally healed. None of us are totally healed, but number one, don't coach from the wound coach from the scar, you know, coach in the areas that you have already conquered in your own life. And then also my biggest thing for all coaches is that you have to live in integrity. Your word has to be golden. You cannot ask people to do things that you are not doing in your own life. And so that's my main thing. Not that you have no issues in your life, but you have to live in integrity and you have to follow through with what you say you're going to do. And you have to do whatever it is you think your co- your, your clients should are supposed to be doing you know you can't you you can't tell them to do one thing while you're doing another that's just my that's my coaching bias really i think it's a great one clearly integrity is very important and for you know i also suggest that coaches every coach should have a coach you know Mm -hmm. no fair being the being the coach who thinks that there's nobody that can contribute to you while you're contributing to others right um I want to talk about, I want to switch. Did you have anything more about that? I'm sorry. Didn't mean to step on you there. Uh, no, it's just that I actually, I'm in a community of coaches. And so I still use coaching whenever I need one, or I'll say something like to myself, like, oh, if I had a coach right now, I'd be getting that done. Right. 
And so then get it done. But if something comes up, if I get triggered and I definitely feel there's a wound that needs some processing, I just text one of my coaching buddies and say, hey, you know, do you have time? I could use a session and vice versa. We have we see that differently. I think that everybody, every coach should be in a constant, consistent and continuous coaching relationship. But, it, you know, uh, if only I were in charge. No, I don't disagree with that, but because I'm always getting certified, like right now, as we're speaking, I'm in a new certification with Nancy Levin called Jump. And I'm also being certified with David Kessler as a grief facilitator. Wow. So I'm always in the conversation because you are being taken through all of the processes before you. Yeah. Yeah. So for 10 years, I mean, you looked at my list of, I didn't even name them all. I'm always in them. So I'm always working on that stuff. So I agree with you. Well, it's a, it's a, it's admirable, you know, certainly I don't, and I don't know about Alex, but I don't think we have as many uh, certifications or even maybe the same commitment to ongoing learning and development that you do, but it's so exemplary. It's such a great thing to hold up to people because that ongoing process of learning, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty good as a trainer, but I'm a terrible student. Do you know what I mean? I just sit there and like judgy and distractible and all the things. Um, no, I think I'm a good student. <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about boundaries. Boundaries. Uh, speaking of disagreements, boundaries are something that I always struggle with when I hear other coaches talk about them because, um, well, I don't know if this will communicate, but, you know, if you think about a dollar bill, right, a dollar bill, you can cut the corner of a dollar bill and still use it. Right. And you can cut two corners and maybe still use it but there and but there's some number of cuts that if you cut it it's no longer valuable as a dollar bill right there's some point and we can't say when it is that if we like limit things it gets too small and it's not useful so i'm concerned about boundaries generally speaking because it feels like hemming people in or limiting what's possible and Theoretically, coaches are people of possibility. At the same time, we're all clear about people being either proving themselves untrustworthy or people being, you know, abusive or oppressive or manipulative or something in some way. So I'm clear that there's a place where boundaries are useful and important. And also, is there such a thing in your mind as too many boundaries or, or um, are boundaries always a good idea? So I think it's how you look at boundaries and the definition of boundaries. For, for me as a boundary coach, it's what you will and will no longer tolerate in yourself or in others, or it's the delineation between where you end and somebody else begins. So a lot of us grow up with really leaky boundaries. We're very codependent, we're people pleasers, we never say no, um, we say yes to everything even when we don't wanna do it and we get overwhelmed and exhausted. And so I don't in any way think that boundaries is about making you smaller. It's not about cutting off any of the edges. It's actually about making yourself a priority. It's about knowing that um, selfless is not a good thing and selfish is not a bad thing. And you wanna be somewhere in the middle. So, I start with what are the um, what are the things you no longer 
what will you no longer tolerate in yourself? You know, how long are you going to say, I'm going to meditate every day, or I'm going to lose 20 pounds, or I'm going to not, you know, call that guy after he definitely doesn't want me. Like, what are the boundaries? What's the self-control boundaries? What's the self-care that you need? How do you make yourself a priority? That's where I start. And then how do you actually ask for what you need now that you realize how worthy you are with grace and ease so that you're making it about you and not the other person? So I feel disrespected when you talk over me in a Zoom call. Would you be willing to wait till I'm finished talking? So that's that's not making that person smaller. That's like basically saying, hello, you know, I'm not, this isn't working for me. And I'm not making you wrong because somebody else may not care, but I do care, you know, or so, I mean, I've had to set boundaries with my grown children. I've set boundaries with my partner, but mainly I'm setting boundaries with myself. Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. You know, about that I'm going to meditate or see, I have the opposite of most people. I don't know about you, Alex, but I'm an over-exerciser. And so I actually have gotten ill twice in my life. I got fatigue, um, adrenal fatigue after Kilimanjaro because I'd already gone on to Vietnam once and Thailand once on bike trips in my training, you know, so I overdid my body two times that happened in my life. So I actually, a boundary for me, is no more than two things in a day. I could hike and go to yoga. I could ski and take my dog hiking, but I can't ski and go hiking and go to yoga. Amazing. So, your, your exercise boundary and Christopher's dessert boundaries are the same. Yeah. No more than two things in one day. Um, <laughs> I, I love that you put that in there because I noticed recently, and I think this goes into the shadow work and the boundaries. I, I said to my partner, I was like, I think I exercise as a way to avoid other things I need to be doing. 
And she just looked at me and and sheepishly nodded. Like and because it's a it's like a really good or healthy, right? If I'm not, let's say, doing something on my business that I said I was going to do, but I'm exercising, well, that sounds really good, right? I'm not watching TV. I'm not, you know, right. wasting. I'm not on social media. Um, but to your point, yeah, I actually recently got myself, I think, sick because. I had been spending, like putting too much. So even the, those good habits, I think, right? We can avoid, I, that's what I hear. You need boundaries around good habits, bad habits, or anything in between. Christopher, I know you had a follow-up and I jumped in. It's a boundary that Nancy just mentioned about stepping over people on a Zoom call. I just want to, <laughs> what do I do with my scorecard, Nancy, now that I've got some points on it? I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Here's my follow-up about boundaries. I appreciate what you what you both just put in. The, what I'm hearing you point to, Nancy, is more like um, addressing repetitive behaviors. I, I appreciate the frame that you said about what you will or will not long, uh, tolerate any longer, but uh, let's talk about a real-life example. We can't talk about our clients, but we can talk about our friends. I have a friend who's single and dating and dating uh, with the spoken intention of finding the one to create home and family with. But from outside, it looks a lot like dating as a competitive sport or something, right? Right. But uh, they keep running into this thing where they're, they're um, somebody's interested, they go do an event with this person intentionally in sort of a social environment. And my friend is social by nature. So we'll go out and talk to strangers or, or meet, have some friends come and join them wherever they are. And invariably, the person that she's there with is uh, sooner or later frustrated or a little irked or hurt by the amount of attention that's going away from them. Right. So they like, oh, I'm going to get a chance to be with this person. But instead, it's like a community event and they're just one element of it. Do you hear a boundary issue there? Is it a behavior issue? Because because what happens is people go away. They're like, hey, apparently you're not that into, you know. Us. Right, right. Yes, so um, what I, if that was my client, um, I would say, what's the lesson here? Like, what are you, what are you not learning? Because you're doing the same thing over and over again. And so maybe the lesson for you might be like, I, first of all, I, I don't want to tell them. I know as coaches, we don't tell them. We, at least I try not to tell them. Um, <laughs> and because I used to own a personal training gym, all they had to do is show up and I got to be in charge, right? Now right, it's a right. whole different thing. So but I had, had to learn that. But um, what's the lesson here? Like if you keep bringing, it's great to bring people to social events, but if you're going to then just kind of leave them and do your social event, then that's not going to work for them. So either you're attracting people that need more than you can give. And so you've got to fix that in yourself so that you stop attracting those people, or you need to change how you're showing up at a social event. Like, I mean, I was at a social event with my partner last night and it was fun for me to just go talk to anybody I wanted to and watch him go and talk to a million strangers that he didn't know. So, but that might not have been something for somebody else would not have been happy with that. And so that's a conversation. Hey, how are you? And I, I don't think if you're on a new, a pretty new date and you go to a social event, 
that person wants to be left on their own to go meet other people. They're coming to be with you. So if that happens to her over and over again, I think that's her work. Either you're attracting the, uh, you know, the wrong people or you need to kind of not leave them when you go to a social event and stay with them. I'm, I'm, wait, I'm looking at Alex waiting for his input on this. Uh, one of the things that my friend has been doing is sort of the minute this person shows that they can't hang or they have a complaint, that's they're out, right? So mm -hmm. it's an it's a like you can either hang with me, and my friends, or you cannot, right? It's really, so I think yeah, that's what I'm hearing is that she relates to it as a boundary. And your point, your reframe is there's a lesson here, right? You may be setting it up to not win. Yeah, because she's setting that up as a boundary. Um, that's actually not working for her. If she's serial dating because she keeps doing that, then um, maybe she's got to look at that. It, it can't be everybody else. I mean, you know, I was married 26 years and then my husband didn't want to be married anymore. And fast forward many years, I was engaged for six years and then he didn't want to be engaged anymore. And when that happened, I'm the one that said, Shh, it's got to be me. You know, there's a lesson here I'm not learning. I'm either just picking really emotionally broken human beings and that's something I need to look at or there's stuff I'm doing that is causing this because I don't want to be here a third time. So if she's doing the same thing over and over again and getting the same result, which is not bringing her what she wants, something's got to change. She's got to look at what her options for change are. Yeah, I, Christopher, you wanted to know what I was thinking. I, I've noticed through the Your Love Adventure program that how conditioned we are and how we date, how we think dates are supposed to look, how we think the people we're supposed to date are supposed to be or show up, and how there's nothing wrong with those things, but often, you know, who we think we're supposed to be with, what we think our type is, is actually just conditioning. You know, even what we find attractive. I, I, I was reflecting to a client in that, in that vein of, hey, what you think is attractive wasn't given to you at birth. It was conditioned by media and family and, and, and your experiences in school with other kids and all these things. And it's not to say that we should, I don't think there's boundaries around, like we would tell somebody, hey, don't, you need to go be with somebody you're not attracted to. But to look at how we have like invisible boundaries with ourselves, right? We've created boundaries that box us out from people in situations. We've created invisible boundaries that box other people out. And I think the things that we're talking about is boundary. I hear like we need to create boundaries for ourselves, which I think coaching really helps with, right? To get that support to say, oh, I, when I go on a date, I can't. Here, here, here's a funny one. I, I think that often, I think when men do a first date and go over the top, it's a, it's a red flag. Totally. Like you don't, you don't know, you don't know someone and you're going over the top with a boat or a parade or a trip, you're compensating for something. Mm -hmm. And I don't think if I was working with a man who was like, oh, I keep going on these first dates and things keep working out. I would say like, Hey, you know, I would look at what if we created a boundary where you could only take someone to coffee. You had to go on a date where you had to spend less than $5, right? right? Something that the boundary is not about the other people but about themselves. I think that sometimes is, is stepped over. You know, something um, you just said reminded me 
many years ago, because the opposite happens too. I think men oversell. They tell you things they think you want to hear. They over like, oh my God, you are the best thing that ever happened. Like I'm in. Well, a long time ago, my a girlfriend of mine, um, a female friend of mine, we were both on match at the same time and we lived about a half an hour away, but we were very similar. And as a matter of fact, I picked her up on match.com way before this was a thing, a BBF. I wrote to about five women when I got divorced and said, listen, I have a million friends, but they're all married. And I need a single girlfriend that's in the same boat as me that wants to go sit at a restaurant or a bar. And, you know, I don't have to always be the third wheel. So I picked up this girl and we've been friends ever since. And one night I went out on a date and the guy was like all over me, like, oh my God, I'm done. This is, you are everything I'm looking for, da, 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 da. And the next morning I wake up and my girlfriend says to me, did so-and-so, is that the guy that you went out with last night? And I said, yeah. She said, well, he wrote me at midnight. I said, you're kidding me. Was his name Alex? I'm just asking. No. So she and I had a photo both taken on my sister's yacht in Florida. We both were on the same boat. And this guy, so I wrote to the guy, I said, listen to me, you don't owe me anything. And, um, I just want you to know, and you can, obviously you can date anybody you want. I said, but you made such a big deal about how I was it. And then at midnight, you actually wrote to my best friend. So heads up, I'm not interested and neither is my friend. And he wrote back and he said, I should have recognized the boat. (laughs) But my point is like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) If I was not who I was, I would have thought, oh, my God, this is it. He's so into me. And, you know, so you can't guys can't oversell either. That's not fair. Oh, that's great. Uh, (laughs) That's a great story. I think um, I know. Let's talk about you. You we've all been everyone's been engaged here. So we all have that in common. I have not been some of us more than others. Sorry. Yeah. Some of us more than others. Uh, I'm curious from, I'm curious what you, what you've learned through your experience of marriage that you haven't shared with us. You know, a lot of, a lot of coaches are coaching people around their marriages and their relationships, including me. And I've never been married. Um, Now, I shouldn't go get married just so I should coach people around their relationships. but what do you have for people around, uh, you know, where coaching and, and marriage like intersects? You know, I, it's a good, great question. And I do work with, um, I don't work with couples together ever, but I do work with each one separate. And I do work with singles all the time about their marriage and their relationships. I will tell you that I've learned a lot that I didn't know when I was married and I was married 26 years is that you shouldn't be codependent like this, where if one person, you know, a big triangle where one person pulls away, the other person falls down. And I don't think people, so you wanna be independent and just like this. And I had to learn that relationships are not made to make each other's life smaller. 
So you have to do a lot of work around, oh, you want to go have lunch with an old girlfriend or you want to go take a man's trip or you just want to take a trip alone. All of those things are okay. And I think that when we get into a relationship, we feel like we have to become one person. And I don't think that's the way it should go. So I was married forever. And I, when we got divorced, all I wanted to do was fix that picture again. And now here I am at 66 years old, and I've been in a relationship for five and a half years. And it's like living apart together. We're totally committed, but we're together like 80% of the time and 20% of the time we're in different states or I'm traveling or he's traveling and we're doing different things. I'm with my family a lot and my grandchildren a lot. And I no longer need the relationship or see a relationship the way I used to see it. So you, I mean, I've dated, I've, I've coached recently an 88 year old man who had just gotten his wife had died after eight years of Alzheimer's and he didn't want to be alone but he kept thinking I don't know if I can do this again I'm like you don't have to get married again you could just even just have a friend that you travel with or you you know it doesn't have to look any certain way but I think it's really important to have healthy boundaries which means make yourself a priority. Don't don't disappear in a relationship and don't try to make the other person's life smaller just because they're part of a relationship. I appreciate that uh, boundary, maybe guideline or, or guardrail for coaching relationship. I love coaching people around relationship issues, but I almost always have to fight my attachment to how I think it should go once I've heard some detail of their life, right? I'm like, no, you should totally stay married and have to set that aside to be effective as a coach. Um, is there anything that you know that's like a little bit of a an Achilles heel or a, or a little bit of a pothole for you that you step into as a coach where your, your beliefs can sometimes um, counter or get in the way of your ability to coach someone like where you have to be really strict with yourself, so to speak? Yeah, I think that, you know, we're human, right? And so sometimes somebody will come up with an action step and I'll be thinking to myself, seriously, that's it? <laughs> you wimp or you- That's all you or... got? Yeah, I mean, I had a client once whose action step was that she was going to drink eight glasses of water a day, right? I mean, and I, I, I don't even think she said eight because she was just going to drink more water because honestly, I get that assignment all the time too. Um, and she came back the next week and she said, I didn't do it. I couldn't do it. It was a stupid thing. I shouldn't have made that mine. And I was thinking, seriously, that was, you just couldn't drink more water? Right. And then the next week she ended up in the hospital with a, um, a stone and what did they tell her in the hospital? You really need to drink more water. So I, I, that was a good lesson for me too, is that whatever they come up with for their action steps, that's what they come up for with. And I shouldn't be judging them and I shouldn't be making it about through the lens of how, what I would do. And um, I think the pitfall for me is that if I get a client who doesn't follow through with their action steps, and I don't feel like they're making changes. I don't really want to coach them. I don't, I feel like I'm taking their money and I shouldn't because I'm not helping them. And I have to actually stop myself and think you should not be judging what they're getting out of it. Um, 
and sometimes I do say to them, so do you think this coaching is working for you? Like, what do you think is different and how, you know, cause I will, I'll question them on it. Cause, I, but, but then I also have to stop back and think I shouldn't be judging from my lens if they're getting something out of it or not. And yet to be in integrity, I don't want to take your money if you're actually not getting something out of it. Those are some great, great and clear points, I think, in turn that all coaches can benefit from. Um, please tell us about and forgive forgive me if it feels abrupt, but I definitely want people to know about uh, upcoming. First of all, I love the I love the quiz on your uh, website. So let's give people their leaky boundaries quiz. But also, you've got some courses coming up. Have you got a BBB? Yeah, I have a course up? for um, women entrepreneurs, uh, women in business on this platform called Gen Connect You, which I'm waiting for LinkedIn Learning, their, their partner to take it over. It's called Career Strategies for Achieving Your Greatest Potential. And I have a 20% coupon for that. Um, the coupon code is BBB Success, but the links and everything, I think I, I sent you guys all of that. So if I didn't, please let me know and I'll resend it. Um, I, do, I do group Zoom coaching on Bigger, Better, Braver, on boundaries and on reinvention. And I just basically take um, names until I fill a group and then I send it out and let people know. And then I'm always doing the one-on-one -on -one coaching. So that's basically, uh, I have an evergreen, bigger, better, braver course that's very inexpensive. You buy the book, you buy the course, which is really inexpensive. It comes with 12 audio lessons and exercises and a workbook. And um, so those are all options. It's kind of layered. The least expensive way to get my work is my book and do it all yourself. Or I really like to tell people to do it with a friend so that you have an accountability partner because that's you really need that. If you're not going to get a coach, get a friend. And I don't think you should get your partner because then they're like, don't tell me not to eat that donut, you know, don't remind me of the things I said, you know, but with a friend, you can, you can hold that's them accountable. A, that's such an important point, especially uh, folks as we get older, sometimes our social circles diminish and we tend to take our one best friend or our one partner and give them all the jobs, right? Yes. You're going to be my partner and my sexual partner and my reminder and my alarm clock and everything. And I've, that's something I really work with people on is, no, how about having your partner just be your partner? How would that yeah. be? Okay. And also that to know that your partner doesn't have to be everything. Right. You know, oh, but my partner doesn't. Like I used to think when you were talking about what you need or Alex was talking about what you need and you don't need. I used to believe my partner has to like be more financially secure than me. And he has to do every single sport I do. And Honestly, I evolved to realize that the things I thought I needed were not the things I needed. You know, so that's a lesson to everybody. What you think you want may not be what you need. 
That's a beautiful note for us to end on, I think. Uh, that is Nancy Picard. You can find out more by going to Nancy Picard. That's N-A-N-C-Y-P-I-C-K-A-R-D, lifecoach.com. You can find out all things there, including go take that quiz and find out how leaky your boundaries are, as well as uh, scheduling a free discovery call if you want to work with Nancy one-on-one, or just get a free chapter from her book by going to Nancy Picard, lifecoach, forward slash free hyphen chapter as well as finding out more about uh bigger braver sorry bigger better braver career strategies and others nancy thank you so much for being with us thanks for the work you're doing in the world both in aspen and in marin county and um thanks so much for your time today thank you i had such a good time thank you uh alex terranova you can find out more by going to the dream mason get a copy of his book fictional authenticity or the copy of a book he contributed to called redefining masculinity go check out his other podcasts including the dream mason podcast and the frequency shifters show which is hard to say three times fast anything else you want to promote mr terranova oh the men's group starting in october did you say the men's retreat the men's live retreat in person uh if you if you're interested in that or you see something for yourself or you're a man who like me has has feels you usually not drawn to men's work and men's retreat this is the the one for you uh you can email me at alex at the dream very good and while we're putting in Plugs, I want to shout out to our longtime sponsor of this program, Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. We've now got programs live and in person, back in a room with other humans in both New York and San Diego, open for registration. We got programs in the European Central Time Zone. So if you're in Europe and you're looking for a great transformational training program, check it out, Accomplishment Coaching, and also an Asia Pacific program starting this fall, this autumn, forgive me, for people in uh, Australia, Thailand, Japan, China, Hong Kong, any of those places. Check it all out. Go to accomplishmentcoaching.com. And I thank you, dear listener, for listening to us right here on The Coaching Show each and every week, bringing you people out on the cutting edge, people who are pioneers, people who are just plain interesting in the field of coaching or coach-adjacent fields. I thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Show. We will talk to you next week.